Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the Rob Gronkowski retirement party, um, so is he, probably. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're David Dahl, Colorado Rockies outfielder, who I spent maybe too much money on in my fantasy baseball draft auction, now is the time to perform and to meet your potential. As always, I'm your show host, Jared Korea, And in addition to casting this pod, I am the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services for law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc., which offers chatbots, a first-to-market chatbot builder, and predictive analytics created specifically for law firms. Find out more about that at www.gideon.legal. You can also listen to my other other podcast, The Lobby List, which is a family travel show I host with my wife, Jessica, on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment. We travel everywhere. But here on the Legal Toolkit which is what you're listening to right now. We provide you twice each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about the future of transactional law practice. Exciting, I know, but we will make it exciting. I promise. Before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. We would like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small, www.timesolve.com, without the E, T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V.com. My guest today is Wasim Kadir, who is the co-founder and CEO of DraftLens, an AI-powered contract drafting platform built by lawyers for lawyers that's currently being used by several Amlaw 200 firms, as well as small to mid-sized firms. Prior to starting DraftLens in 2017, Wasim was an associate at Arnold & Porter, where he worked on mergers and acquisitions and general corporate contracting with a specialty in biotech and other IP-intensive industries. Sounds like a lot of stuff I don't understand. He also graduated from Harvard College and went on to attend the University of Michigan Law School, where he was an associate editor of the Michigan Law Review. Pretty good credentials, my friend, and welcome to the big show, Wasim. Hey, thanks for having me, Jared. Great to be here. Excellent. We love having uh, new people on the show and you're a first-time guest. All right, so let's get into it. We're recording this just before the Sweet 16 of the NCAA Tournament 2019, just so everybody knows. This will be released after probably the finals are done. So now you're on the spot, and people will be able to check your accuracy with Seam, but you're a big blue guy, right? You went to Michigan. So where does Michigan end up this year in the tournament? 
Um, thanks for putting me on the spot. Uh, I, I think we no go. No pressure. But everybody's <laughs> going to know whether or not you're right. I know. Um, let's see. I think we go another round. Get knocked. I think we make it past Texas Tech uh, this coming Thursday and end up getting knocked out by Gonzaga uh, in the Elite Eight. Unfortunately, I, I'd, like this to see, I'd like to see us go all the way, but I think it'll end up being uh, being Duke or, or UNC. That's a conservative prediction. That's fair. Who, who do you have winning in the bracket? Duke, you said? Yeah. All right, good call. I'm a Duke fan, actually. People don't know that about me, I don't think, because I don't broadcast that, but I really like Duke basketball. Yeah. Always have. Um, not a front runner. I was there when they sucked. Well, I guess they never really sucked. Um, all right, and, and follow up on this question. Like, How much do you hate Chris Webber? You know, that was a little bit before my time. I wasn't a, a Wolverine oh God. Back, so back then. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I've, I've heard the myth. Uh, you're referring to the timeout, presumably. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, no, has Chris Webber done something to you in your personal life that I should know about? <laughs> you took my parking spot that one day. No, um, yeah, I, you know, I've just heard about it through Laura. I, I've seen the clips. Surprised that, it, you know, it still reverberates, what, like 30 years, 35 years? After the fact, yeah. uh, people have still have strong feelings for it. I think partly because he never like came clean and owned it uh, to this yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you right. know, enough Michigan, enough Michigan talk. Yeah. Should we talk about <laughs> law practice? What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. All right, all right. So I'm interested to know. Like, you were at a big firm. You had a nice practice going. It sounds like. Why did you decide to leave and then focus on reforming what transactional law practice is and means? Because that's a small job, right? And it's probably because transactional law practice is a pain, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's correct. Despite being a pain, I will say for the record that I did enjoy it quite a bit. But but I walked away mm. because I, I just saw an opportunity to remedy those pain points that were plaguing my practice, uh, even um, at, at a big firm. I mean, there's just there's a lack of innovation in the space. I think the last big improvement was the transition from typewriters to to ms word and then the technology <laughs> stack that lawyers have been using has been largely stagnant since i mean the way the way yeah. you draft agreements is pretty much been the same for many many years it starts with finding the right sample document precedent document to start from invariably that's going to not match the parameters of the deal that's in front of you so you've got to renegotiate that against yourself you've got that this might entail hunting and pecking for clauses in other deals that you've done which is another tedious process because these are scattered you know throughout your firm's file management system and then once you've assembled the terms you know if you're particularly diligent you'll find five or so versions of the same clause that you're looking for so you can read them against each other and get a sense of what the moving parts are and you have to stitch it all together, make the defined terms line up, you know, not to mention all the secretarial type administrative work that goes into uh, making sure unused defined terms don't appear uh, in the index of defined terms and so on, managing signature pages. It's just a very, very inefficient process that just is begging for some sort of automated, intelligent 21st century solution. Reminds me of why I left law practice. <laughs> yeah. And you did too. So you saw an opportunity. Yes, exactly. All right. So now most businesses, I think, most non-legal businesses will like seek to root out inefficiencies, right? But lawyer, lawyers love inefficiencies. Like if they can do something less efficiently for the most part, they're into it. Like paper, cash, like bring it on. But 
I think that's changing a little bit and more modern law firms are focusing on being more efficient. They want to reduce their overhead. They want to make more money. So why then do inefficiencies related to transactional law practice continue to persist, including the fact that like lawyers just seem to wallow in inefficiency? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hard question to, to wrap your head around. I mean, legal services, it's a very competitive industry. There are a lot of law firms out there. A lot of clients have told me that they largely see them as fairly fungible with each other. Yet, yet why, why are they not uh, investing in improving their, their operational processes? You know, a, a mentor once told me that, you know, a company like Apple makes phones. Uh, that That's their product, uh, among other things. Lawyers, or at least a transactional lawyer's unit of production is the documents. Yet, while Apple invests, you know, billions in maximizing supply chain efficiency and production processes, you don't see that with law firms. And I think there's there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, for starters, lawyers are, are just very conservative by their nature. I think a lot of lawyers see their primary responsibility as minimizing a risk and exposure for their clients. And that mentality doesn't translate very well into the uh, taking a leap of faith on, on a new technology or, or completely upending the way you do business. It's just not in our blood as a, as a profession. Secondly, I, I think a big reason behind the lack of innovation uh, in the legal operations space is uh, the, the what I call the perverse incentive problem. This is basically lawyers charging by the hour. And when you're, that basically incentivizes lawyers to take as much time as, as the client is willing to permit on a given project. So the incentives simply aren't there for lawyers to try and turn things around as, as quickly as possible. But, but like you said, that, that is starting to change. Uh, and I'm fairly optimistic going forward. And, you know, like you said, some firms tend to get it uh, while other firms still trying to try and milk their hours. I like the perverse incentive. That sounds like the name of a gentleman's club in Providence. Did you just come up with that? Um, I've used the phrase before, but I think it actually comes from an, the uh, the economics literature. Oh, maybe I should be reading more economic texts. Um, I won't tell you what else I'm doing in my free time. All right. Um, we're going to take a break. Streetlights just came on. My mom's telling me to come home. Here are some things you should buy. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolv, leave off the e.com. Remember, that's T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V dot com. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Thanks for staying with us. I was on Walkabout, but I'm back now. I'm here talking with Lucene Kadir of Draft Lens. 
We're here podcasting about the way that law firms can reformat transactional practice. So it seems there's been a lot of legal tech innovation in the contract space in recent years. I've seen softwares like contract drafting, contract automation proliferating. So you're in the space as well. So what do you think is driving that? A couple of things. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, the perversion centers uh, created by the billable hour model. So first and foremost, that model of, of charging for client services is falling by the wayside. It's starting to, at least. Uh, we're seeing an uptick in requests from clients for uh, alternative fee arrangements, AFAs. Uh, these may come in the form of fixed fees for a given deal, or it may come in the form of budget caps. I've even seen something uh, called value-based pricing, where firms just sort of make up a price for a given product uh, after the fact. Uh, so after they've put the work into it, they'll just say, this feels like it was maybe worth uh, you know X thousand dollars to the client, and clients are apparently comfortable with that. So in a non-billable hours world, the incentives are, are totally different. In that universe, every hour you save uh, accrues directly to your bottom line uh, as a law firm. Secondly, uh, the technology is maturing. We've seen uh, tremendous advancements in AI and natural language processing, primarily driven by other fields. Um, you know, uh, we're all familiar with Amazon's Alexa and Siri. Those sorts of technologies are finding their way into legal tech, uh, primarily pioneered by venture capital. I think last year in 2018, we saw about a $1 billion inflow into legal tech startups from venture firms. Uh, about a third of that was uh, directed towards AI-based legal startups. And that's just creating a whole new wave of technology that clients are also pressuring their law firms to uh, adopt. Uh, I've even heard stories of RFPs, uh, requests for proposals, in which clients will ask their firms, so what are you doing on the technological front to make sure that you're going to deliver services to us as efficiently as possible? And for their part, uh, firms are getting increasingly comfortable migrating to the cloud. And once you're in the cloud and comfortable with that from a security concern, this just opens up a world of possibilities for you in terms of uh, adopting different cloud-based legal tech providers. So so there's a lot of reasons why I'm optimistic uh, about the future uh, in this space. Yeah, pricing technology will drive a lot of this, I think, and it's finally starting to do so. And then you've also got like a lot of millennial attorneys jumping into the space now. And there's going to be a massive wave of that coming up soon. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very great point. And I think for, for these firms to retain those millennials instead of having them walk away after two years, which is just a tremendous loss of investment for these firms, uh, they're going to be forced to to adopt these technologies that make life and the practice of law a lot easier and more pleasurable for uh, attorneys. Yeah. All right. So we we just talked about like the things that make this innovation possible, like. Law firms are kind of changing their attitudes slowly but surely. A lot of investment money is coming into legal tech. So now let's talk about the themes that are emerging with companies in this space, this contract automation space. Who are the big players? What's driving what they're doing? So I think there's a lot going on in this space, uh, specifically within the contract transactional legal area, uh, not just legal tech in general. 
I think uh, you can bifurcate this space into two broad categories. Uh, there's pre-signature contract work and post-signature. So pre-sig is everything leading up to the signature from drafting to negotiation. And, and post-sig is mainly contract management software, uh, which is mainly the purview of in-house attorneys. So I, I won't go into that uh, in very much detail. I'll rather focus more on, on the pre-sig aspects uh, of innovation. For starters, we're seeing a lot of innovation in contract analytics. Uh, for me as a deal lawyer, this has shown up primarily in the diligence tools that are out there. You might have heard of Kira and uh, Luminance as some of the big players in this space. And what they do is they use NLP, natural language processing technology, to do the work formally done by junior associates, which is uh, reading all contracts uh, of a target company before you buy it to look out for any poison pills that might end up blowing up the deal or things that a potential acquirer might need to be concerned about. And so they've got algorithms now that can look out for uh, a non-conventional anti-assignment clause or something like that, or a termination right for a big customer that you, know, you, the acquirer, might want to know. And the idea is that by algorithmizing it, you can greatly reduce error rates instead of trusting a first-year associate working at 3 a.m. in the morning. I mean, who knows what they'll miss. And what's great about it is that we've we've seen a lot of penetration by those two players within the, uh, the upper echelons of M&A practice, which is a testament to the willingness of lawyers to accept technology to take over some of the roles that previously they would have trusted only a highly skilled lawyer to do. From a non-M&A perspective, this kind of contract analytic software in the first category has also found its way into uh, file management services, um, most notably uh, a company called iManage, which is, uh, I think, one of the leaders in doc storage for law firms, purchased another company called Raven. Uh, And this has assisted lawyers generally, but also transactional lawyers specifically, to ferret out the right document for the right transaction. Uh, uses NLP technology to basically look at the guts of a document, not just like a instances of certain words, but more like concepts. So if you want to find a deal in the biotech space with a public company, you can just sort of type those general concepts into your file management system even though those those words might not appear in a document, uh, the Raven system should be able to surface that. So that's gone a, lo- a long way towards helping lawyers sift through these enormous data troves of, of documents that they've uh, amalgamated over their, their careers. The second bucket is the bucket that we play in at DraftLens, and this is contract automation. And I want to distinguish what's happening these days from the contract automation uh, of 30 years ago, pioneered by such companies uh, as Hot Docs and, and more recently, uh, Contract Express. Uh, the idea here in broad strokes is to use technology to automate your contracts. Basically, and this happens by coding out your contracts in a pseudo computer science language. Uh, you know, you can... Uh, Download a word plugin, for example, and then uh, 
add brackets around the parts of a contract that tend to move, such as a, a party name. So that way, going forward, you can uh, simply type in a party name once, and it'll populate through the entire document. That's a fairly straightforward example, um, and that's the kind of thing that let's call it contract automation 1.0 has been uh, good for. It's been uh, fairly complex, which is why I don't think it's taken off too much within law. Basically, you need almost a computer science degree to to make a really powerful use of that. And so we've seen a cottage industry of coders uh, who specialize in these contract automations who do it for law firms on an hourly basis because lawyers just don't have the tools to, to learn a whole new coding language themselves. The next generation of contract automation, which is where we're playing in, uses AI to make the automation of contracts fairly idiot-proof so that even a lawyer can do it. <laughs> I can say that because uh, I used to be one. Um, and there's no way I would have been able to learn a, a whole new computer science skill just to uh, automate my documents. So what we're, we're basically allowing lawyers to do is just uh, point and click using a very graphical, intuitive system uh, in order to automate their contracts, not, not just party names and, and the like, but also more uh, complex conditional logic. And we're automatically automating a lot of the things that you don't even have to do manually, such as uh, defined terms, indices, going from singular to plural on certain verb tenses. That's all baked right into the system and doesn't even require any sort of uh, coding out on the lawyer's behalf. All right. So let's pause there because I think I think you just called lawyers idiots. Am, am I right on that? Yes. <laughs> yes, but I did testify because I, I used to be a lawyer, but only in the contract drafting space. Oh, I'm sorry, only in the code, code coding space. That's good. Space. That's good. Yeah. I used to be a lawyer as well. Sometimes I consider myself an idiot, also. Um, all right. So I want I want to address these other three places. You think that changes are happening in this field, and we'll do that after the break. While I look for my dog-eared copy of Thomas Hardy's *Jew the Obscure* which may be the most depressing book ever written if you're looking for a Sunday afternoon read, listen to these words from our sponsors. FirmCentral cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With FirmCentral, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. All right, thanks for coming back once again. I hope you're enjoying your vague notions of our place in the universe. Let's get back to our conversation with Wasim Kadir of DraftLens, who's talking to me about how law firms can revamp transactional law practice. Let's find out more. So when we left off, Wasim was talking to us about some of the innovations that are taking place in the contract space, and he's got a few more things to tell us. So I'm going to let him continue. Uh, yeah, thanks, Jared. So another 
big area of innovation is around contract review. So in addition to drafting contracts from scratch at the beginning of a deal, one thing lawyers do on the transactional side is review documents they may may have received from a counterparty to a deal that their client is trying to sign. And, and as you might imagine, there's a whole host of new technology geared towards making that process easier. There's the first generation of technology, which I'll call contract hygiene. This is uh, this includes players such as uh, Westlaw. They've got a product called uh, Drafting Assistant that helps out with this. Litera Systems also has uh, a contract companion product that helps out with this. And this basically checks all the things that a first-year corporate associate might have to do manually. Like, are your defined terms in the proper alphabetical order? Are there unused defined terms in this document? Uh, is there inconsistency between the use of will or shall? Uh, really sort of low-level stuff like that that first-year associates love to do. The other bucket of more advanced contract review uh, is pioneered by firms such as LawGeeks with an X. Uh, there's another company out there called AMACTEC doing this as well, A-I-M-A-C-T-E-K. And the basic idea here is that they do a more legally advanced level of contract hygiene. For example, you can upload your contract to, to LawGeeks, and they will, let's say it's an NDA, they will compare that NDA to its whole archive of NDAs that it's conducted its machine learning algorithms on in order to issue spot for you. So, for example, if uh, your counterparty serves you up a clause that's maybe like a, the term of the NDA, the, the survival clause on how long you need to keep records confidential. If your counterparty serves you up a term that's way long, way out of market, um, you know, if you're a, a new lawyer, if you don't do too many NDAs, you might not know what's sort of customary for that off the top of your head. Uh, this kind of software can compare what the counterparty is sending over uh, against its its archive and flag issues for you like that. So that that's a fairly uh, advanced uh, deployment uh, of AI that's helping uh, transactional lawyers with uh, the nitty-gritty of negotiation and markup. The other bucket beyond uh, contract review and negotiation is, is centered around process management. Uh, again, this is uh, formerly the purview of junior associates. Uh, you, could, you might imagine during a, a big deal, a big merger or whatever, there's a lot of pieces of paper floating around. It, it could often be hundreds of different documents. You've got your main merger agreement and then a, a whole litany of other ancillary documents, bills of sale, et cetera. You, know, one, you could have one for any shareholder in the deal. And managing that process of keeping track which party is currently responsible for which documents and then keeping track of the, the hundreds of signature pages floating around, it's, it's a very time-consuming process, but the, the stakes are so high that you, you can't simply throw a legal secretary or a paralegal at it. It's often a first or second year lawyer charging hundreds of dollars per hour for this very administrative function. Um, and that, that, that pain point has given rise to a lot of process automation companies. Uh, Doxly is a big one in this space, D-O-X-L-Y, as is Closing Rooms, 
closing room, I think, singular. They were recently acquired by NetDocuments. And the idea here is to bring automation and transparency to that closing process. So it's all conducted online. Um, so you can both sides can have a window as to the status of any given document. Um, SIG pages are generated automatically. So it's really trying to uh, alleviate the, uh, the inefficiencies caused by having junior lawyers do that manually. That's um, pretty good which rundown. Is yeah, that the, yeah. Oh, wait, we got one more, don't we? Sorry. Uh, I yeah, no, one, one, tiny, <laughs> one tiny bucket. Uh, I, was, I never said I was good at math. <laughs> You're justifying my comment earlier uh, about lawyers. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, tiny, the last bucket is, is a fairly small one, and this is just the rise of e-signatures within law. So we've seen this adopted pretty widely within industry. A uh, big player in this space is called DocuSign. But we're also seeing lawyers start adopting that as well. And that basically allows individuals to sign digitally uh, their documents instead of pen and paper. And, and lawyers are growing increasingly comfortable with that. Uh, in fact, DocuSign has integrated with Docsly and a number of other players so so as to make the process management portion of it, that the former bucket, uh, pretty seamlessly integrated with the signature page management, uh, which is this, this final piece. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a nice rundown, I have to say. I'm impressed. Although I can't imagine like most, like you said, first-year associates like doing like determining like whether will or shall is being used. I'm sure they wake up in the morning being like, oh, yes, let's review contracts today. <laughs> all right. Now that we've talked this all over, let's scare the living hell out of everybody. Are you ready? So here's the question that people always get jumpy about in the legal industry. What's the potential for AI like this to replace the work of transactional attorneys? Because that's a big fear. Yeah, no, I agree with the premise of the question. It very much is a big fear. I, I, I do think it's unjustified, as I'll get to. But uh, to tell you a uh, little we're bit... We're not going to scare anybody, are we? All right, go <laughs> no, ahead. Uh, I, I will tell you a story about you know how this fear shows up. So we were doing a demo for DraftLens live in person, and... Uh, so I think the partner liked what he saw, and he volunteered one of the associates in the room. Um, he says, do you want to take this software for a test drive during like a free trial period? And he goes, uh, so sure, I'll uh, gladly take for a test drive the car that is about to run us over. So, Oh, nice. That, that should be software. on your website. <laughs> test drive the car that will run you over. But uh, like I said, I think... This fear is overblown. I don't see AI replacing lawyers, at least in the transactional drafting space, anytime soon. What we will instead see largely is a, is a migration of the kinds of things lawyers do up the value chain. So I think like you like to say in your uh, podcast, I think it's called practicing at the highest levels of your legal degree. Am I getting oh, that man. right? You and my mom listen to my podcast. That's really exciting. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm a big fan, and that's a great phrase, and I think that's very much... I, I stole it. One of, <laughs> I stole it from John Mayer of Cali, which I always say when somebody mentions this. <laughs> well, that's, that's very much the belief that DraftLens was founded on, that lawyers should not be you know, struggling over like alphabetization of defined terms. So you, you want to practice for the very reasons that you went to law school, not not to be a a glorified secretary. So, you know, like when we saw typewriters being replaced by Microsoft Word, it didn't put legal secretaries 
out of a job, what it enabled them to do is be a lot more effective in the, in the types of assistance that they'd be able to provide the firm. Uh, I think we're going to see the same thing with AI making associates and lawyers across the board all the more efficient. For that reason, I don't even think lawyers, even if AI were capable with it, neither lawyers nor clients would even want a system where you could just like describe your problem to a machine, maybe in plain English, and then it would spit out a 70-page contract summarizing your deal. I, I think there's just too much nuance and strategy involved in the negotiation of documents, too many judgment calls on on a clause-by-clause basis that, you know, even if the technology were there, that that's not, you know, that wouldn't satisfy any any profound market needs. So I think you're you're always going to need human elements to take care of the the one-to-one aspects of of negotiating and the the fine-level decision-making that goes into being a transactional lawyer. All right, that's fair. So everybody can just chill. All right. So finally, on the legal stuff, how does AI figure into the future of contract drafting? Your brief thoughts, kind of a 30,000-foot overview. Yeah, I think uh, we're seeing it on the ground already. This is something that we're, we're trying to pioneer here at DraftLens. I, I think you're going to see a lot of integration with market data. For example, you might see... Uh, the ability to uh, upload your entire history of documents, and then you could have some software intelligently develop a, a new agreement for you um, from that sample uh, data set you've uploaded. But you know, instead of doing it in an unintermediated way, it would sort of walk you through the different variations of, like, say, a confidentiality clause in a, a merger agreement. Uh, these are the different forms it can take. These are where we include uh, materiality qualifiers. Do you want to include them here? Sort of a step-by-step fashion, um, coupling it with data on what's market or industry standard for a given clause or what you know, tends to be your preferred formulation for a given clause, given that history of documents that you have fed into the system. I think we're also going to see a lot of uh, integration across uh, the five different buckets of innovation that we uh, outlined for you earlier. I think uh, the industry is very young, and and as is typical for most new industries, that there's a lot of fragmentation with a lot of small players, each of which is doing a very discrete function. So I think you're going to see a lot of larger players gobble up the smaller ones in order to offer uh, integrated packages. So you could see uh, a drafting suite being integrated with a process management suite and a signature management suite. So you, you can sort of go from top to bottom of a transaction uh, in one place that's assisting you with AI in every step of the way. Finally, I think uh, one potentially interesting development, which we're starting to see a little of, but I anticipate will be much more common in the future, is the productization of the law. So you might imagine these contract suites uh, and automated documents being generated by law firms and maintained by law firms, but the law firm in turn selling it or selling access to it to their clients on a subscription basis. So let's say a firm specializes in employment agreements. They could maintain the central repository of super flexible, dynamically adapting agreements 
which they can make available to their clients. And then the clients could click through the various granular options for a given contract. And then at the end of it, this uh, dynamic system spits out a contract that, that's suited for whatever employee the, the client is trying to hire. But access would be done on a subscription basis with the firm itself collecting those revenues and technology providers such as us just providing the backbone for, for a white label contract system like that. Uh, we're seeing the seeds of all these sorts of innovations already. And I think uh, in the future, we're just going to see an expansion of that. Yeah, that's good stuff. And a lot of that stuff is starting to happen finally. All right. Last question. I want to introduce a new segment on the show. Uh, what I want to do is read tweets my guests write and ask them about them. As a software guy, you'll appreciate the fact that we're beta testing this right now. Are you game? Yeah, I'm, I'm down. All right. So I think I found what's your Twitter account. And even if not, you can just comment on this because I thought it was interesting. <laughs> so here's your tweet, my friend, from Valentine's Day 2012. I don't know, maybe you should have been doing other stuff on Valentine's Day, like going out <laughs> somewhere. The tweet is, have you ever had a bout of claustrophobia while getting your head stuck in your own sweater? I haven't. <laughs> I don't know if I'm believing that. It sounds like probably it did happen. So would you like to address any of this now on the show? <laughs> no, I think that, that totally happened. You did find the right Twitter account. And uh, I don't yes. actually remember the incidents, but uh, no, that totally sounds like something I would say. And the fact that I, I'm saying uh, I haven't had that happen is just like a clear indication that it totally did happen. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I probably got my head caught in a sweater and had a momentary bout of claustrophobia. Has that happened to you? We've, we've no? all been there. Just, just... It's all right. <laughs> yeah, okay, just me? Okay. The internet is forever. Seven years later, <laughs> we're talking you know, about I... this. I'm going to dig up some of your old tweets and spit them back at you now, Jared. That would be, that. I would, I would love that. You <laughs> hit me up. We could do a friend. whole podcast on that. <laughs> I'm ready to roll. <laughs> Let's do it. Sadly, we've reached the end of yet another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast, but I think we ended on a high note. This was the podcast about recentering transactional law practice, and we've been talking with Wasim Kadir of DraftLens. Now, I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Wasim Kadir of Draft Lens for making an appearance as my guest today. All right, Wasim, can you tell everybody how they can find out more about you and more specifically about Draft Lens? Yeah, uh, DraftLens.com is our website. Feel free to visit it. Uh, one word, no space, D-R-A-F-T-L-E-N-S. Awesome, that was easy. So thanks once more to Wasim Kadir of DraftLens, who was our guest today. And finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where it's always lit. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network 
its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.